to be. To be or not to be. That is really the question. But more than that, it's kind of the dilemma, isn't it? When we look at the topics that we're going toward um, in this, some of them, it's a little bit of a tall order. I mean, take mine. I mean, uh, I, I woke up a couple weeks ago and thinking about this theme, be filled with the fullness of God, and then there's this little dash, and then love. And the whole image that fills my mind is as if I had a pitcher here in a little glass, and the pitcher was just just with the, the most gorgeous water, if I poured it into the glass and kept pouring, it would overflow. And that's the concept that we're looking for, right? But in that, that, that pondering, I did think about the thing, oh, Lord, I just wish I was teaching forth because this is a hard week for me. And it would be a lot easier to talk about being loving if I had a whole circle of people around me that were more lovable. <laughs> this is just a bad week for this. So um, I, I, I think it's a good premise to the, all of this because maybe you're having a hard week. Maybe you're having a hard year. Maybe some of you are thinking, I'm having a hard life here. I mean, just a hard life. It's just all stretched out. It's a hard life. You know, these B um, things, they're, they're landing on some pretty important things. And we don't want to fake it. You know, we don't want to fake it. We don't want to just be half-hearted. We want to be the real deal. We want God to be in us in such a way that this broken world would see how good he is, not how good we are. It's not about this whole series isn't about, well, pull it together, you know, so we can be a better witness. That's not where we're starting tonight. Um, I remember a story I heard about a beggar, and he was, he was hungry. He was hungry. He was ragged. He was hungry. He was needing some, some money. And so he went to Wall Street in New York, and, and he put out his hand to people going by, change, change, change. And this kind of rich, hep-looking young guy just walking by, and he's successful. Change, change. And that young man, he just shook his shoulder and, and grimaced and walked faster. Well, the, the beggar wasn't going to give up. He started chasing him down. Change, change. And again, the young man turned and just shivered and shook his head. And finally, the beggar said, change. And the young man turned around. And he said, I'm trying. I'm trying. That's not where we're going. And we've got to start out right on this. We've got to start out right. It's being full, full, and overflowing with the goodness of God. And the love of God and the faithfulness of God. And that's what he wants to do in your life. And there's nowhere where else to look. There's not. It's a supernatural thing that he wants to do in us and through us. If we look to ourselves, you know, there's a war in there. Just, just giving you a, a, a flash here. 
our, our flesh is warring against this, this spiritual thing that God wants to do. And so we want to amp it up. And all these results, these fruits that we're longing, and part of us long to have all the goodness, the character of, of God himself growing in us, because that's freedom. That's freedom. And when the sun has set you free, you're free indeed to be, be for him to live in us. So as we start, let's just lift up our hands and say, Lord, you know what's going on in, inside of us. Some of us have had a few hard weeks. Some of us have some to look forward to. And that we know there's, there's hard things to face. And God, we need for you to move in into every, every part of us, into our emotions, into our thought life, into our attitudes. Lord, we need you to wash us. And God, some of us need to to lift some things up to you and just say, Lord, I've been frustrated. I've been frustrated with my husband or with my kids or with my sister. I'm fearful. That's filling me. Fear. Annoyance. Struggle. Lord, I'm tired of being selfish. Sometimes I, I feel that filling me. Lord, we pray that you would just set us free. We came here tonight because we are longing. We are hungry and we are thirsty. We're coming to your table. And God, I pray that you would feed us and fill us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. Well, I'm going to have him show a picture here, um, thinking about this, this wonderful topic. Um, really, th- there is no other place to go but God. Uh, you're not going to conjure up all these good character traits within yourself. And, and so um, I thought that this wonderful picture is actually not in the United States. It's a Rembrandt. Can you see it? I'm going to get a little bit more out of the way. Um, I never knew the picture existed until many years ago, I was in St. Petersburg, Russia, and uh, I loved art. I was in this great uh, museum, and all of a sudden, I turned the corner, and there it was. And it isn't just a little Mona Lisa type of size. It is life size. And you just, I just looked at it. It's kind of shadowy. But here we have this prodigal son, and we know the story. He had gone his own way. He had tried to fill his cup up. And, and he just came to himself one day and said, I'm going home. I'm just going home. And he humbled himself and knew that he didn't to make himself happy. And I wondered what he was thinking as he was going home. You know, uh, we do know that he was within himself. Will I, will I just be a slave? I'll, I'll be happy to be a slave. I'll be happy to be a slave. Take the crumbs off my father's table. 
But we need the story. His father was waiting for him, longing to have him back. How does this relate to this series? Well, sometimes, sometimes we have failed. We have failed. And, and, and all we really expect is a crumb from God to be some second-rate citizen in his kingdom. That's absolutely not what he has planned for you. This picture, I love it. I love that Rembrandt didn't, didn't paint it when he was beginning his fame, when he was young, so full of his talent, or, or when he was successful already and famous all over the, the, the known world, his name was known. No, this, this picture was painted when he was old, maybe in the last year of his life. And there's emotion to this. And I believe that he was meant, destined to paint it as a picture of what God wants to do in our life. Because as I was thinking about this thing, to be filled, God, I want to know your attitude. And when we failed, we think about condemnation. And God says, when he has you close, he says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he gives the key to walk after the Spirit. And not after the flesh. Again, child of God, we're not going to change by pulling it together. We get close to God and that fullness of him and his heart for us. When we are loved, we need to be a loved child. Start there. Start there. Let God love you. Have you just let him love you lately? I tell you, it was coming home. This theme after I got over my failure self with it. I said, all right, Lord. I'm just coming home with it. I'm, I need you to preach to me. And that's where he started. To those that are in Christ Jesus. That's it. In Christ Jesus. And then he gave me some of my favorite scriptures. He gave me Romans 12. I beseech you. And he was talking to me and put your name here. I beseech you, he says, to present yourself all the way to me, he says. A living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service, and be transformed that by the renewing of your mind, when we do that, when we come close to him, when we cling to him for dear life, he changes the way we think, our attitudes, and that, that affects our actions, and that affects everything that we do. So I was thinking about this topic. I thought there is no one that can lay it out for us tonight like the Savior Savior of the world. Have your Bibles. Could you turn to John 15? Okay, John 15. John 15 lays it out in a way that no no one ever could. As I said with, with the Rembrandt picture, he wrote it 
when he was older, when he was older at the very last part of his year on this planet, he, he, he painted this picture. And Peter, when he was young and he had come to know the Lord, he, he was confident. He was strong. He was committed. And he thought those things were the essential elements. But then when he was old and he wrote Second Peter, you know what he said? His divine power has given me all things and given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. And Jesus, in John 15, we need to know the context. We need to know the historical background of the word of God. John 15, it's not, it's not these words that Jesus spoke in the last years of his life. These are the last hours of his life. And when he spoke them, it was only his 11. Judas had left. He is pouring out his heart because he knows within the next few hours, all hell would break out against him and against his disciples. You know, for some of you, sometimes life slaps us down. And maybe for some of you, you've got things that you have to face in the next 5, 10, 20 years that you won't survive without an anchor for your storm. And Jesus is laying it out. And this is what he says. He says, I am the true vine. I am the true life source. And my father, he's the vine dresser. This God that's waiting for you and loves you with a crazy, insane, never gives up, unconditional love. He is the one that's overseeing your life. He loves you so much. And he said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This is such a key, a key discussion for us as we launch into this topic. First of all, he says, if you want to be fruitful, I'm the source of it. If you want to be safe, the Father is there surrounding us. And this is how he operates Because sometimes we have this pat way that God's going to operate. And it's contrary to the natural world and to the spiritual world. He unfolds two things. First of all, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And some of you might be thinking, okay, I get that. I get that. Well, we can get it in theory, but when it happens, we're not always so happy about that. But he's a good, good father. And I want to say to you, let him father you. Let him father you. I've told this story before, but many years ago I had a friend and we were good friends. We were close friends. And um, we loved to spend time together. We loved to go f- for walks. And we loved to go shopping. 
And um, we did a lot of shopping. We were Christian friends, but I want to tell you we never prayed together. We never read the Bible together. We weren't in Bible study together. We just were Christian friends. And one day, God just crashed our friendship. It was a very small misunderstanding, but we parted ways. And we just never had that closeness for about 15 years. We saw each other, we liked each other, but we weren't friends. In that time, both of us grew in an exponential way. We, we both got in different Bible studies. We, we, we both developed a, um, a service heart where we were serving in our, our different churches. And God grew us up. And you know what? We're friends again. We're friends again. But now we are praying friends. We are encouraging friends. We haven't shopped for 20 years together. And God, he's always right. Sometimes he, he takes away, and that's blessed sub- subtraction sometimes. As Job said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? And the second thing he says here, and Jesus is talking, and the fruitful branches he prunes. And, and I'll be honest with you. When I was first studying this, I just didn't get that. The fruitful branch would be the, fr- the branch that you would like, leave it alone. Let it go. Let it, let it just, just grow as big as it can because it's a fruitful branch. But God has an economy of, of in the natural world. If you don't prune like a rose bush then it just gets leggy and spindly and the flowers are no longer beautiful. God has a reason when he's trimming back even a good area of your life. On the other side of the handout that you received tonight uh, is one of my all-time favorite stories. Um, It's from my book, Wisdom for Women. And um, I I love a good story. And one of the things about about this book is it gave me a chance to put put together some of my favorite stories. And this story is about a woman named A. Witherall Johnson. Who has ever heard of her name? About five of you, huh? Well, um, she was um, she was in China, but and she was a missionary serving there until nineteen fifty. And then Mao Zedong, the communist regime, forced all missionaries to leave. It wasn't a gentle forcing. It was a forced forcing. And she loved China deeply. She was heartbroken to move back to the States. And her heart fell with that. And when she moved back, five ladies from San Bernardino, California, asked her to teach Bible study. Here are her words. My heart fell. What had I come to? In China, there are millions who have not heard his name. Am I to give more to these already women who have so much? 
Reluctantly, though, she promised to pray. Dashed hopes are often the breeding ground for God to do a new chapter in your life. She did pray, and she did say yes, and she said one thing to them. That's kind of why we're bonded. She said, listen, I'll teach Bible study, but I am not going to spoon feed you. I'm going to teach you to dig into God's word so you can learn it yourself. And those five ladies, they said, all right, anything you say. And they became diggers in God's word. And then they told their friends and more women started coming to Bible study and they, they were crowded out of the house. And they had to get a facility. And now they are, I think I give the statistics here, they are, they have grown to over 1,000 classes all over the world with 200,000 members in 38 nations across six continents. Thank you. Who said wow? Could we say it together? Wow. Wow. God is a good, good God. And that story is so important to me. And I want everyone to know that story. Because if she had said no, then then 30 years ago, 35 years ago, I was a Christian. I loved God. I read the, the Bible in the Ouija board method. You know, what should I read today? You know, random reading. Uh, I, I, I didn't know how to dig. I didn't know how to look up words. And, um, and so one of my best friends moved out of town and, and I needed friends. And my neighbor asked me to go to Bible study with her. And it was Bible study fellowship that A. Witherall Johnson had been resigned to develop. And in that Bible study was the first time I learned how to read God's word. And I was like a hungry puppy. I'm telling you, I was working full time. I would get up at four o'clock and sit in front of the oven because I was too cheap to turn on the furnace. We lived in Oregon. It was freezing cold. And I would open the oven, put my feet there, and I would open the Bible. And I felt like God was breathing on me. And the first book that we studied was the Gospel of John, and it was a life changer. God has plans for you. And never, never don't think that they aren't good. He has his eye on you. And these hard things, and some of you are facing hard things, you know what? He wants to not make you happier. He wants to make you deeper. He wants you to use your faith muscles. He wants you to trust him more. He wants you to draw closer to him. And I'm telling you, when you draw close to him, he changes you from the inside out. It's a supernatural changing. Listen how Jesus goes on in John 15. He says, in every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And that's a good word. 
That's a good word. We need to be in God's word. I'm telling you, the last two weeks have been kind of annoying. Someone was so cruel in her words to me, and somebody else cursed me out because I picked up their trash and threw it away. Like, excuse me. I mean, it was just like, who let the dogs out? I mean, people are just crazy. And you know what? I felt like there was trash in me. Anybody know that feeling? Right? I need washing. Right? Let's say it. I need washing. Let's say it like we need. I need washing. And God cleanses us. He washes away. When we take his truth, take his promises, his divine power, Gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And you can take that, take him at his word. God, could you just do that now? (laughs) So I'm having a tug of war right now. Take him as his word. Take him at his word. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Now it gets to it. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides, what? In. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide, what, where? In me. It's, going to church is not enough. And no offense to, Denise, don't tell Rob I said this. No offense. It's not enough. He'd be the first one to stay up here. We need to be in. We need to come here to be with the people of God because we want to be an insider in the family of God. We want to be an insider of what God's doing in this broken world. We want to be close to him. We want to, we're just hungry to hear his word, right? Amen? Amen. I am the vine, he says. You are the branches. He or she who abides in me and, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I love this. It's, it's kind of bad news in some ways. But it's the greatest news ever. That be... The big B, be in. Be in. Let him be in you. I love the story, and I think you've, I've told it before, but about the little boy who loved to go to church, loved to sit in the front row, hear the pastor talk about a big God, and I am a big Godder, went to the Grand Canyon for Easter sunrise service was awesome. And that little boy loved every inch of it. And then the pastor, another week, he was sharing how God God lives in us, in, not just next to us, not for us, not in heaven waiting for us. This great and amazing God, he lives in us. And the little boy went up to the pastor and he said, Pastor, I I just love when you you say that God is big. And the pastor said, that's right. 
and, and, and he said, I just love it when you say that God's going to live in me. And the pastor said, that's right. And the little boy said, well, if he's big and I'm little and he comes in, wouldn't he just stick out? That's it. If you don't remember anything else I said tonight, write that down. Are you writing it down? I need you to write that down somewhere. Wouldn't he just stick out? Let him all the way in. Let him all the way in. I'll tell you the other day I was, um, I was driving somewhere and I was going to meet somebody and there was a lot of traffic. And you know what I thought? Lord, don't let me die today. Because if I died today, my closet is such a mess, I'd be humiliated. Honest. Honest. Humiliated. I mean, it was just piles of stuff everywhere. And a couple weeks ago, I cleaned it out. I cleaned it out. Had room to buy a new shirt and some shoes after that. Hallelujah. No. (laughs) Actually, I did. But um, we have too much internal clutter. Do you see what I'm where I'm aiming here, we have too much internal clutter. We need let the Lord in some of those cubicles. Maybe you have a conflict with your sister-in-law, and you're just dealing with it. Not well, though. Let him in. Let him in. Maybe something's going on in your marriage, and you've built a case. You're not going to be able to sort that out by yourself. Let him in, right? Some of you, you do feel like a failure. You do. And you just shut the closet to that. Shut your closet to a hope. Let him in. It does amazing things. One of the topics will be be free. God's going to ask you to open that closet. And let the dogs out. No, really. Let the, the, the cobwebs and the spiders and the fears out. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever even think to ask him to do. Let him in. Let him be God in you. Let him be God for you. And then he says this amazing thing. And you will... Bear fruit. When I heard someone teach this many years ago in Bible study fellowship, that first year studying the Bible, she drew a picture of the, the, the vine, and then she drew a picture of a branch, and she said, we are the branch And sometimes we're just trying to bear the fruit. We're trying to be good. We're trying to be kind. We're trying to be wise. We're trying to to, um, get over some of the things that we've struggled with. We're trying to change. So all this, we're trying to do this. And then she did a circle at the connection where the branch met the vine. He said, you, she said, you concentrate on that. And fruit will come. Now, Jackie Insminger is sitting in here. Jackie, raise your hand. I'm going to tell a story that 
probably, I think I only know the story. Many years ago, we had a retreat, and uh, we had workshops at the treat, re- retreat, and she was asked to give a workshop on gentleness. And it, it really shocked her. And she came to me and she said, Debbie, when did I become gentle? And it was the sweetest little ask. It was the sweetest little ask. It was like she didn't even realize as she was coming to Bible study and getting close to other people in the church and she was serving that God was just changing her and making her gentle. It was the sweetest little question I think I've ever been asked in the Christian realm. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. What is Jesus talking about? Is he saying, well, if you stop coming to Bible study, I'm telling you, we're going to throw you in the fire. Is that, is that it? Is that, the, is that the tone? Look at the pronouns. He doesn't say, we throw you in the fire. He says, they throw you into the fire. And what, I mean, what meaneth that? Well, um, I really feel like it's the people around us. It's the children in our home. It's our grandchildren. It's the people at work. It's our neighbors. When we don't walk the talk, when we say we're going to church and then we don't do a good job at work, when we, when we tell our family, well, we need to pray at Thanksgiving, but we're cranky, because somebody didn't bring the mashed potatoes on time? Like, that's a disconnect. And it's not like that you're literally thrown into the fire. It's just that, who needs it? Who needs that? It's your witness and your, and your effect in this broken world is not respected. And we want it to be, don't we? Don't we want to be a city set on a hill? Don't we want to reflect his love in this hurting world? He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. What do you really desire? Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. What do you really desire? Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be done for you. Would any father, if his child asks for bread, give him a stone? Jesus said, how much more will my father give of the Holy Spirit to those that ask? If you're drawing near to him and you're hungry to grow, ask him. If you're hungry to be filled with his love for somebody that's unlivable, ask him. 
These are the prayers that he's aching to ask. And now, let's look at the last few verses. By this, my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. And here's the love. As my Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide where? Abide Group effort. Abide in my love. Hallelujah. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be what? full. Be filled. Be filled with the goodness of God. Make room. Expect it. I think our expectations are so low. Let them be God-sized. Won't we? Won't we let our expectations of what he wants to do in the next three months Give him a space of time and say, God, I'm going to give you wholeheartedly the next few months. And I'm asking you to show up in ways I've never seen you show up. I've, I'm asking you to fill me with a love I've never felt for somebody cranky at work. I'm asking you to teach me to be sweet to my husband when he forgets to... Um, Pick up the milk or pick up his shoes or whatever. And fill me with joy because I'm seeing you live and move in a fresh new way in me. So who wants to be in? Me too. Lord, we pray this back again. Lord, we want to be insiders to your family. We want to be falling at your feet and just clinging to your legs like this poor boy. He came back hungry, and you were so happy that you gave him a feast. And God, we want to do that. We want to just come running to you with expectation, hungry to see what you want to do in and through us. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.